I'm a zombie! I've been bitten! You're listening to the Survival Podcast for zombie nerds everywhere. Zombies Ate My Podcast. Hello and welcome to Zombies Ate My Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me, as always, is the busy zombie lord, Lou Page. And you may notice he sounds a little different this episode. Just just a little bit. We're on a new mic tonight. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. The, the old one. The old one finally died. Um, so I, I upgraded. So we had the little bug testing before we started recording tonight. So I hope I sound okay. Ah, man, I think you sound great. I think the one thing when we were starting testing, I was like, you sound different. You sound, you don't sound bad. You sound different. (laughs) For those that have listened to the show for a long time, I've often griped I hate the sound of my own voice. It's not that I hate the sound of my own voice. I hate the sound of my own voice being recorded. It never sounds right to me. When I was testing this mic earlier tonight, before we recorded, I was playing back my own voice and it was like, oh my God. That's what I sound like in my own head. This mic actually is doing what I want it to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So here we are. We've got uh, we've got a new mic. We've got a new uh, episode of Zombies Ate My Podcast and uh, a return to uh, the Back for Blood corner. There are those among us that are not cowed by the terrors of this new world. Ones that are immune to scourge and are ready to raise arms and take back what is ours. Spare us the poetry, fucknuts. How do we kill it? All right. Lou, I don't know if you've been continuing to play Back for Blood since its launch last year. I have not. Um, I've played through about the first two chapters and I've enjoyed them. Uh, My biggest gripe has been um, game imbalance. And so, and there were bugs. Uh, I ran into some bugs and I said, eh, I'll wait till some DLC and I'll wait till they patch some of this stuff out. Also, I was hoping that this would run with my now arrived Steam Deck. And it is not a supported title at this time, though it is said that it is coming. Well, that's good. I'm glad it is coming to Steam Deck at some point. Um, well, I mean, you did purchase the deluxe edition that has yep, the season pass. I have, I have, I have all DLC coming. Well, there you go. So you have this to look forward to on April twelfth. The Tunnels of Terror will be coming to Fort Hope. And and I'm going to be on vacation that week. Well, that sounds like you took the right week yeah. off. I, I, I'm going to have family here that week, but I think I can fit some time in after they leave. Well, is there split screen co-op? Maybe you could fit your family in and my, this game. My, my father is coming to visit to spend time with Violet. I do not think I'm going to get him to shoot zombies with me. Well, <laughs> it sounds like you've got a babysitter all set up. So, uh, yes, there you go. Well, the uh, Tunnels of Terror will add uh, three. So it says new warped ridden. I'm assuming these are, you know, variations of existing monsters kind of maybe i'm not sure i i I didn't play enough my guess is is it's gonna be a monster that maybe warps around the the um warps around the area oh well there are three monsters listed under it i'm i'm assuming they're just like variations they could be they could be this is just an infographic that i have here Uh, this is the first expansion uh there are eight exclusive skins uh ridden hives all new pve activity uh, all new warped chests, skull totems, new cards, legendary weapons. Plus, the, I think the big addition outside of the new PVE uh, activity would be the all new cleaners, which are their characters. Hey, um, I'm I'm all for new cleaners. Um, some of them are good, some of them are meh. Um, I know that that was one of my gripes when the game first launched, is they had to rebalance some of them, as well as some of the items and cards. So, I I, I mean. Uh, I, I, to me, this game just keeps. While I haven't played it in a while, every time I read details on it, it sounds like they keep updating it and rebalancing it and making it better. My guess is that by the time we get 
either this DLC or the next DLC, this is going to be a really playable game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's still available on Game Pass. I don't know if uh, there is like a timeline. Usually they'll sign either a six month or, or a year uh, sort of contract with them. But uh, I have not tried it yet, but uh, I hear Left 4 Dead 2 is playable on Steam Deck. So that might be something I try. Oh, yeah, you should try that. Um, and, uh, you know, we didn't I didn't put this in the show notes, but it is related to Back for Blood. Uh, if you go to humblebundle.com, there is currently a bundle available for the next week. Uh, I meant to, I meant to say this earlier, too. I, I just saw that today. Yeah, it is the Stand with Ukraine bundle where 100% is being donated to Ukraine humanitarian relief efforts. And one of the top three games is Back for Blood. Yeah, no, you have to, it's it's forty dollars, and the amount of games you get for this thing is nuts. Yeah, it's uh, they said one hundred and twenty three items. Um, some of the top games are, as we said, Back for Blood, Satisfactory, Metro Exodus, uh, Spyro Reignited Trilogy, uh, This War of Mine, Longest Endless Dark, Space Two. Oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't even see Endless Space 2 before when I was looking at this. This is uh, Slay the Spire. All, all three Amnesia games? You know what? That new Amnesia game, I mean, it's really good. I really That was the only Amnesia game I've ever played it and, <laughs> and finished, and I really enjoyed it. It was scary as hell, but it was really good. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, for, even for just Back for Blood, this is a good deal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Wargroove is excellent. Um, I'm just kind of going through here. You've got Kingdom Two Crowns. Um, I did see there was a, a zombie game on here, actually, as I was going. Other than Back for Blood, that is. Um, yeah. The, uh, is it West of Dead? Oh, West of Dead was one of them. Yeah, there was another one that popped up. There's like there's comics in here as well. Yep, there's a uh, Ash versus the Evil uh, Army of Darkness uh one shot that's a humble exclusive um yeah oh yeah. yeah i see that yeah yeah this is uh this is really it's it's a really great cause it's it's a great price it's only available for a week and uh yeah. it's um yeah corridor z that's the other zombie game that was what i was looking oh yeah there it is right there uh that's what i was looking for this is a what this looks like a like a like a co-op game maybe it's hard to yeah. tell Anyways, lots of great titles there. It's a great cause. Humblebundle.com. Get your hands on uh, Back for Blood and other amazing titles for you to play and support a great cause. They've already, as of this recording, raised $3.5 million Canadian. So uh, I, I, I only I just see the Canadian here. I'm sure I'm sure if you're looking at it right now, it's in American and they've got it geolocated. So it's at two million dollars right now. Yeah, so it's two million dollars in in uh, in US. So that is crazy. So uh, get on over there, support a great cause, get some great games, and uh, join in on the fun of Back for Blood and other amazing titles. Lou, now that we've checked in with Back for Blood, let's head over to the news. Has completely devastated over 150 of the world's major regions and then is spreading rapidly. Lou, I feel like this news segment was made for you because we've got some fun titles here, uh, including what is yet another Walking Dead spinoff that has been announced. How do you feel about this one? Uh, I think this one is going to be my favorite because I think it's going to be the biggest train wreck ever. Uh, I even saw an interview with Jeffrey Morgan, uh, 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 Dean Morgan, about this, and he said that he wished they had not talked about this yet. Well, I mean, it goes back to the original conversation we had about uh, Carol and Daryl in that it basically confirms um, that they're going to survive. Yeah, they live. And I think uh, a link got posted in our Discord kind of exploring what these spinoffs have done to the final season of The Walking Dead, basically confirming that Carol, Daryl, Negan, Maggie, uh, Rick is out of the picture. So we don't know what's going on there. And yeah, with these spinoffs, they've kind of like shown their cards in terms of the final season. 
they've they've spoiled everything. We already know who everybody who's going to live, and it's all important characters. Uh, like, like I'm fine with them doing spinoffs, but I think they should have waited, you know, closer to the finale. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, 100%. Like, like, like it's totally too soon. Uh, like I said, there was an interview with Jeffrey Dean Morgan where they were talking about him, and this spinoff got brought up. And he's like, yeah, I told them I sh- they shouldn't bring this up until after the show is done because, you know, like... Now people aren't gonna want to aren't gonna think Negan's gonna die at the end. <laughs> yeah, it just it's one of those things where you you kind of look at it. To me, the most interesting thing about it is is Negan and Maggie's um, relationship. I haven't. I know it. I think it just came back, and I haven't started watching it again. But I think Negan and and Maggie's relationship is very interesting. And I went into this season expecting it to be something I was going to hate, and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and to hear that they're going to get a spinoff, of all the spinoffs that, that have been spun out lately, this one sounds the most interesting to me. Because I would love to see a a a, a show where maybe they're reluctantly partners. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, or, or they get take two characters who hate each other and then spin them away so that they are they have to get along or uh they finally do get along and what does that mean for their relationship i think that that's interesting yeah you know because she has her son with 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 glenn and what if negan ends up mentoring the kid whose father he killed you know what i mean i think that's an interesting story yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like we're we're gonna get something along those lines. Like it, it, it seems like what's basically taking place here is that you've got Maggie and uh, Negan surviving in New York City. Uh, you've got basically the them surviving in a in a in a very populated area, um, and we haven't seen the likes of that since I'd think maybe season one with Atlanta. You know? Yeah. No, I I, I think this is interesting. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what this brings. But they've now have they now have uh, Isle of the Dead, uh, Carol and Daryl Hour, Tales of the Dead, Fear, and The Walking Dead. And The Walking Dead is obviously ending this year, so you'll you'll still have four Walking Dead shows. And and I and I think there might be one other. There is one other, but they haven't announced what it is yet. Right. Plus the movies, which yeah, plus they swear the movies, are still which- coming. Yeah, this yeah, I believe when I see it. Yeah, I think a lot of people share that opinion. Um, okay, well, uh, next up is we have uh, the fact that Resident Evil two, three, and seven are getting current generation console updates, plus some PC refreshments, all free. So, how do you feel about that? I'm excited for this. Um, I actually really want to go back and play Resident Evil two and three. Um, I played them on my, I'm on a new laptop now as well. Uh, I played them on my old laptop and my old desktop. And so I suffered some performance issues playing those games, which I think deterred some of my enjoyment in them. And between them and my Steam Deck, I've been looking for something very horror-y to play. And uh, playing Resident Evil 2 and 3 again sounds like a good time. Right now, seven and eight are not playable on my Steam Deck, so I may dip into them at some point, but uh, not yet. Yeah. And yeah. if I get updated content and uh, and updated graphics and all this ex- uh, and some additional content, even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just this was uh, this was something that was confirmed a couple weeks ago, but just a couple days ago, they confirmed that. Save data from the original PlayStation 4 and Xbox One versions of these games will carry over to their respective upgrades. Uh, and DLC that comes with Resident Evil 7 Gold Edition will transfer over as well. So this is specific to consoles, but uh, PC obviously doesn't have to worry about that. It's just it's just an update uh, that you'll get. And uh, I, I can't... It said later... Sorry, I should mention it. This is also later this year. So it's not happening yet. But I'd imagine probably either summer or shortly thereafter. 
Yeah, I, I would say by summertime we get this easy. Yeah, for sure. So look forward to that if you're looking for more Resident Evil. But uh, don't look too far because we have a fun surprise where in the main topic we're going to be talking about uh, that new Resident Evil movie. And uh, a classic scene from the intro to Resident Evil 2, burger, trucker, and all. Um, We are talking about Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City tonight. We are. And I have now watched it twice. Uh, I'm curious as to what you think of it. Right. Well, did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy your time with it? I did. And and here's the thing. So for, first off, this is a great opportunity for me. And I have no problem admitting when I uh, when I'm proven wrong. I think the trailers really set it up for me not to like this film. Um, my brain was firmly stuck in the idea that if they're going to make a movie adaptation of something, it's going to be more like the um, the Paul W.S. Anderson films, which were okay, but not very resident evil like when you look at this this new film which is very resident evil like and yeah yeah like uh so this is set in 1998 this origin story explores the secrets of the mysterious spencer mansion and the ill-fated uh raccoon city which is essentially combining resident evil 1 and 2 as a story and i'll say this uh, the trailers made me hesitant about, you know, casting. It seemed like they went with a lot of um, not necessarily unknown actors, but actors that like, I don't know, like it just it just felt like they were kind of the casting didn't really fit. But now that I've seen the film, it's good. They feel like budget cast. It felt like they didn't want to spend the money on the, the most expensive actors. So they got moderately well-known TV and B movie actors, sort of. Exactly. I 100% agree. But when you watch the film and you see these characters in action, I think they do fit. They do work. It's it's a movie. You got to also understand, I think, what the trailers were trying to set up, where they were trying to basically emulate, I think, uh, the marketing for the other Resident Evil films, which have, you know no matter their quality have done well for themselves. Like they, they perform, there's a reason there are seven of them or however I should know. We watched them all for this, this show. Um, but the marketing, I don't think well, fit. With- you've watched them all for this show. <laughs> yes. I haven't watched uh, six or seven. Yeah, don't. That's my advice. Um, so this, this movie, it's based in the nineties. It has moments that feel nineties. Like this is something we've talked about. The- Okay, all right. So the first time I watched this, I will admit this right now. The first time I watched this, I was watching it while I was doing something else. Uh, I, I think I was cleaning the house or something. So I had it on in the background and I'm like vacuuming. And so this noise is going on and I'm like, watching. I'm like, this is really good. I totally missed that opening clip where it says in the in big letters on the screen, 1998. And so when he opens, when Wes, Wesker opens up the, thing and pulls out a palm pilot it was like it was like lights went off in my head i went oh they are setting this in the 90s cool <laughs> exactly there there's th- those moments in the film where the tech like there's a pager there's the palm pilot you mentioned yeah that yeah. really illustrates oh this is the 90s but i think they also capture what 90s films were like without going full 90s and the other thing i will say is uh, I think I think the casting I, I was really skeptical about the casting. Mm-hmm. I think everybody in this movie nails their role. Yeah, the role they're, uh, the role they're given. I, given. I think uh, uh, that's a very I know, good point. I know we're we're going we're going we're going to get some flack cuz I know there's some 
that listeners that don't like Leon in this. Um, I'm okay with Leon only specifically because if there were that many badasses in this movie, I think it would take away. And it's not even that Leon is not a badass. It's he's like the reluctant hero. He's the rookie. And it, yeah. And I and I and I'm okay with that. Uh, even like it, I know we're probably never going to get a sequel to this movie as much as I would love to see a sequel to this movie. It did not perform well enough to get a sequel. Uh, they line Leon's character up for a Resident Evil 4 movie just by opening dialogue. I, I, I caught it this second time. They talk about he shot his partner in the butt and that in, in, at, in, in, the police academy and that was why he was being sent to raccoon city and that's why they all make fun of him but somebody makes a mention that his father is somebody important and that his father wants bigger and better things for him and i was like that would be a really good spinoff he survived this he made it out of raccoon city and now put put it five or six years later and make him a secret service agent I think that that would work with this character. Make him a little more badass, make him less reluctant, less goofy, but I think it would work. Yeah. Um, and I think that this movie lined that kind of thing up. We won't get that. Um, I also think that uh, I was really reluctant about Tom Hopper, uh, or yeah, Tom Hopper as Wesker. And then when I saw it, I was like, oh, cool. They did something that I always bothered me about the original Resident Evil games. Um, when you go down, when they go down into the lab of the Spencer Mansion, you find Wesker in a lab coat, and I'm like, how is he a, how is he, a lab guy at Umbrella and like, like the the guy the department head at the police department? You know what I mean? Like that always bothered me, and I like the way they spun it this way in the movie. He's working for kind of Umbrella, maybe, but he doesn't know who he's working for. He just know they're, knows they're paying him to look another way. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was some stuff in the film where, so the two characters, I think they get their stories changed so much that their characters, uh, at least their initial arcs change so much. I feel like if we were to get a sequel to this film, I, I agree with you. Leon would become more the Leon. We know Albert Wesker would become more the Albert Wesker. We know, um, I felt like the post credit scene, uh, not to skip to the end, but like the post credit scene for Albert Wesker specifically felt like they needed to tack this on the, his acting was fine throughout the film, but, and him waking out uh, up out of the body bag was fine, but him like struggling to, to see, I felt like they, it, there was something about it that felt off. Um, yeah. And then him getting the glasses is like, well, that's not really the origin we needed. Like that you didn't need you didn't need to explain why he wore sunglasses all the time. <laughs> you know, it was yeah. cheesy. It, that was, it was like nineties ish there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I like, uh, you know, they make Chris Redfield is a boy scout, like literally like yeah. a boy scout. It fits. And it fits. And uh, I like Robbie Amell anyway. Yeah. So see, seeing him as Chris Redfield, I was like, yeah, that, that really works. Uh, yeah. You know, I, it, the, the the only thing about this movie that bothers me that I think most people don't complain about is we didn't need Lisa Trevor. It, it, it serves almost no purpose in the movie except to be a tie-in to the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah um, she's it, kind it, of a throwaway. Yeah, and, and the thing that bothered me is there's a lot of the advertisement shows Lisa, Lisa Trevor, and I'm like, yeah, but she's hardly in the movie. She has, like, two scenes. You see her once when Claire is a little kid, and then you see her again later when Claire is an adult and she rescues Claire. And then clearly she's not a villain like she is in the game. She And she's not a monster you have to run from in like she is in the game. She's there, she rescues Claire, and then she dies. Or she gets blown up in the building or something down the road. And you're like, all right, cool. Yeah, we assume she's she's died because of Raccoon City being uh, torched at the end. Um yeah, like we talked about Wesker, we talked about Leon. Like I think Claire is really good. Like they casting is perfect. Her character's awesome. Yeah. Um, the other one that was a surprise for me because I didn't realize he was in this. He's not wasn't in any of the advertisements. I don't think except for like 
a brief clip, so I didn't expect him to be a major character, was Donald Loge as Cat Chief Irons was awesome. I will yes. watch anything with Donald Loge in it. And the fact that he has so much scenes and so much dialogue in this, I was like, wow, they just let him ham it up. This is awesome. Okay, I'm glad you brought that up because I have one of my favorite scenes with him here. Y'all shut the hell up for a second and listen. Maybe you'll find out. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. You don't know? That's right, Redfield. I do not know. <laughs> he is like, when I immediately when he showed up, I knew who he was. And there's another scene where he chews Leon out for like coming into the briefing room and saying like, what if an old lady walks in? Go to the front desk. You're the rookie. What are you doing here? It, my favorite scene with him is when the truck crashes and the guy on fire walks through the front lobby yep. of the police station and Leon jumps and is like, oh, because he's got headphones on and a Walkman and and Donald Loge just shoots the guy on fire and goes, get a an extinguisher. Yeah, you're going to need you might need a fire extinguisher. And uh, he's like, is he so I, I, my question about irons is he corrupt or is he just like not wanting to stick around in in the original games i i can't remember if he has a role in the remake like i can't remember i think he's in it for like a second in the remake or something like that he's not really like a major character uh but in the original game depending on which one you play as one of them has a run-in with him and he was taking uh like kickbacks from umbrella to look the other way in the games and the idea is is that when all the shit goes down he kind of loses his mind because he realizes that he's the cause for a bunch of this stuff and he's hoping that he can like get out of the city and he knows he can't and instead of working with leon and them he ends up like trying to hunt them down in the game hmm. so in this, I liked his way. It's sort of the same role. He knows that there's crap going on in the city, and he's trying to get out of the city. And then he sees those umbrella soldiers put up a checkpoint and start shooting civilians, and he realizes he's stuck. Yeah, yeah. And I also liked. I also liked that 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 you you go well. Why aren't people leaving the city? Oh no, they're trying. But umbrella has put up roadblocks, and those guys look exactly like the guys that try to get the virus from Birkin in the games, aka Hunk. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, they could easily just throw more of these guys in and call one of them hunk in another movie and make it a, make 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 that legit. And I, 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 I appreciate a lot of what this movie was doing. Uh, I'm not going to tell you it's a perfect movie. No, um, I am definitely not going to tell you that this is like a 10 out of 10, but I would definitely give it a six or a seven. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, I think. uh I think my favorite part about the whole thing is that they've made a zombie Resident Evil movie based heavily on the video games, which is what they set out to do. And they did it like, yeah, this is not your, you know, early 2000s action films that were the previous series of Resident Evil films. Um, and, you know, this film, I hope it does get a sequel. Like, I don't I don't feel like I personally caused it to fail. Like, from what I understand, it it did really it made back its budget mostly through you know uh, the first weekend of rentals. Like I, I was looking at Wikipedia, it, it did really well. The other issue it had is it came out at a really bad time. It came out the week of Thanksgiving. Hmm. That could not have been that could not have done well for this movie. Yeah, because we were still in the middle of Omicron stuff. And yeah. I know that I tried, I was going to go see this. I was off that week and things did not line up. And I was like, oh, I'll go next. Oh, it's out of theaters already. Like it was only in theaters for like a weekend. And then like maybe three days later it was pulled. So, yeah. I mean, it didn't really get a chance, but I'm glad to see that it's getting uh, a lot more love on the the, the, the digital end. I, I, I think I could see this getting a sequel. I mean, as as much as it is easy to say, like, oh, there's no way it gets a sequel. I mean, my other gripe, my other major gripe with the movie is there are, is some CG stuff that looks off. Um, when the liquor comes after Leon and Claire, the, the up close stuff where like it's grabbing somebody or it's in somebody's face, it looks real. Like it looks like they built a dummy. 
Mm-hmm. But then when they do the distance shots, like it moving and chasing them, it looks like they used CG. And if you're paying really close attention, it doesn't look good. Um, I also think the head on Birkin's monster looks terrible. Um, <laughs> it looks like a snake. Um, and I like the Birkin head on it. The Birkin head looks cool. And then the shoulder with the eyes, they nailed it. But it looked like they just didn't know what to do with the main head of the monster. And so there's a scene where it grabs Claire and Claire is like looking at its face. And it looks like it's a rubber dummy type thing in her face. And then they cut it away to like somebody shooting at it. And it's a digital effect again. And it looks really bad again. Uh, and I mean, I can forgive it. I, I think that that's not where the budget in this movie went. Uh, 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 and, and I mean, I don't think that this had a huge budget. No, it, it was 20 million was basically the budget, which is really low. That's, I think that is chump change for something like this. I know for a fact that I'm pretty sure the other movies by Paul W.S. Anderson had bigger budgets than this. It wouldn't surprise me if the Netflix series uh, has a bigger budget than than this film, um, just based yeah. on the cast and and uh, I mean we haven't seen trailers for it, but I I just I I'm assuming it does. Uh, the, the 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 original budget for uh, the original Paul W S Anderson movie was thirty three million dollars. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned the CG stuff. Uh, I felt like. I, I I agree with you. There were some moments that were shaky, and I think that can be tightened up in a sequel with with more budget. But it was used sparingly. There were really only three monsters that used the CG. Um, it was the final monster, which was kind of a combination between Tyrant and what uh, Mister is it Mister X into? Yeah, yeah. They they left him out, and I'm fine with that. Me too. And we're not going to get a Nemesis movie. I mean. As much as I like those games, you, you can't do a one-for-one thing. They could always do another story where, you know, uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, Jill is in, like, New York City or something, and there's a nemesis chasing her across New York City or something. Like, they could do something like that. Yeah. It doesn't need to be Raccoon City. Well, it, I think, like, I, that's a good point. I think uh, because they kind of smash one and two together and move past the stories of those two games, they kind of cut Resident Evil three from the opportunities to to adapt because like Raccoon City is toast and Jill was always with uh, uh, I I think she was hanging around Wesker and then Chris right. So Jill yeah. really never you know came in contact with it's Carlos right from three. Yeah. Okay. So. And and I mean, if you if you again, if you read the in Wikipedia, there's a bunch of articles that have been sort of smashed together to kind of like look at what the future could be. And the director who wrote and 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 directed the movie, obviously, he he has basically stated like what he'd like to do next is Code Veronica and Resident Evil Four, and kind of smash those two together. Um, I think that those he didn't necessarily say smash them together, but I'm uh, he just said them in the same sentence. That might be a tough thing to do. Um, but you could probably you could probably try to f- find a way to make it work. Um, he said he'd also really love to look at Seven and Village uh, because though he says those are very different experiences, much darker, um, more more violent and scary. I think Seven for sure. Eight is a little bit out there, but I think like the director who I I should look up his name because I'm just saying director Johannes feels, Roberts. Johannes Roberts. Yeah. He. Uh, like he he really loves the source material and you get the sense that you get the sense that the the actors really love the source material i think if i had to pick a favorite character and actor it it has to be claire redfield like i would love a code veronica movie where it's just claire tearing shit up and yeah. i agree with you like even leon like to see i think that actor is capable of portraying a badass leon just like i think Tom Hopper is is capable of portraying an evil, you know, scary Wesker. Exactly. And we get Ada Wong at the end and I think she she definitely needs more time to shine because I felt like again her post credits was like you got to give her more to do than just talk to Albert Wesker because it it, it didn't it it felt close but it, it we needed more, I think. The other thing I really liked about this movie is that it gives William Birkin more time. Mm. 
on screen because in the original game, the whole outfit break happens and Birkin got shot and Birkin's turned into a monster. You don't really get any time with Birkin. Birkin's really just a mad scientist. Yeah. Do you feel like they give you... I actually think they give you almost too much time with Birkin, <laughs> but it's Neil McDonough, so I'm like, yeah, it's all right. He can chew up any scene he wants. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, it's not... Like I said, it's not that this movie's not without its flaws. It's definitely got some flaws. Um, uh, it's just, I can forgive a lot of it because it's closer to what I really wanted from the old movies that we got that we never got. Um, I mean, uh, like I said, I I mean, they, they left out a bunch of stuff. You're never going to get a one for one telling of a video game story in uh, a movie. Uh, maybe, I I mean, cause I mean, how boring the, okay. So the thing I love about this movie is the original Resident Evil game, the mansion is not that big. Mm-hmm. It is that, like you could literally run from one end of the mansion to the other end of the mansion if there were no zombies in like five minutes of gameplay. But the reason you have to go through the move the game so slow is you've got to get the loading screen every time you go through a door and then you go into the next room and then you've got to check for zombies again because sometimes the zombies come back and you've got to run to the next room. And so everything goes really slow. But the mansion really isn't that big. And then you get to the lab in the basement of the mansion. And sure, there's different things and there's a plant thing. And and that's all that that's all fun in a game, but that's kind of boring in a movie. I mean, yeah, they went down to the basement and then they fought a, then they fought a a a a a plant monster and then they did this other thing and then they like like that works in a video game you've got to tighten it up if it's a movie and i think that they did a really good job of that you know birkin was working out of the spencer mansion you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that's kind of the way they put they portray it he was working out of that lab he's got to go back to the thing then all the lab people at the mansion have been turned into zombies because of the outbreak. And Birkin wants to go back and get his, his specimen. And when he realizes he's not going to get away with it and he gets shot by Wesker, what does he do? He injects himself. It's right out of the game. But you get more development with him as a character than you do in the video game. You realize he's nuts. But, 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 but there's this facade. It, it, to me, it almost reminds me of like, dexter from the dexter tv show where like he's got a wife and a kid and like he's ready to throw them away at a moment's notice because my virus yeah take care like and you're like and you're like yeah he's nuts and like like he's a sociopath that's all right like like it makes it like it fits the character but you you get more development than you do in the game in the game he's just a two-dimensional thing that create becomes a monster that chases you the most of the game exactly yeah. And I mean, you do get you do get both Tyrant and the final form of Mr. X in this film. And I and I felt like um, I was a little weirded out by how a well, maybe not weirded out, but it's definitely different from the game because Tyrant is kind of just a is just a monster, a monster that chases you, at least in the remake that I played on GameCube. Yeah, he's pretty much that in the um, in the original game, too. Yeah, but in the movie, he retains, which I think to me makes sense, he retains the William Birkin, the character, as he's like taunting Chris. Yeah, and and I love that portrayal that, you know, Chris grew up in an orphanage and Birkin was the guy that helped him get everywhere. And what does Birkin do when he's hunting Chris down? Oh, you Boy Scout. (laughs) Like, like, you really thought that I liked you? Man, you're such a pushover. Like, like, it, like, it, and you just realize, wow, his character's just crazy psycho, and you're like, oh, yeah, that works. It's '90s as shit, but again, oh, it yeah. fits. It fits within yeah. the film. Um, you mentioned that uh, you know both Chris and Claire Redfield, um, they don't really get into their backstory in the games, at least from what I that's like front and center. But uh, they're orphans. They're at the Raccoon City Orphanage. Uh, which is also sponsored by Umbrella. Umbrella's you know, testing on these kids. That's where Lisa Trevor the, comes from. The, the other thing that you can see is they show us, they watch a video, and in it, there's two little blonde children. Okay. And then they're watching like bugs eat a thing or something like that. And it's all a reference to Code Veronica. 
okay, okay. I, I was like, what the hell is this that I'm seeing? Like, clearly it's like from the eighties, but no, it, it's older. It is. It, it, it is. It's, it's, it's more newer, but it, it, you're watching these two kids and they give something a virus and then these ants are eating the thing. And it's really kind of hard to tell what the hell's going on. But those two characters, that's the, the, the brother sister that is the villains in Code Veronica. Oh, so that was like sort of a Easter egg for fans. Yeah, they're they're Spencer relatives, I think. I think they're like his nephews or something like that. Right. Like it's his nephew and the sister's dead, but you don't realize that till like halfway through the game because he dresses up as his sister and chases Clara around as a girl and you don't know the difference. It's it's a weird game. Yeah. Sounds like a great make a great movie though. No, of all of them, uh, Code Veronica would make a really good movie, actually. Yeah. Um, another thing I wanted to mention. So I, I was curious. We talked. Uh, I mentioned Lisa Trevor. You had mentioned her earlier in our discussion. So she was a boss in RE1 or she was just a character that would kind of follow you around and chase well, you? In the original Resident Evil 1, she's not even a character. But in the remake, she's a character. She's a monster that fights you. Okay. But she's good in the movie. I wasn't like but mistaken she- that. No, no, she's good in the movie. Okay. I thought that was fine. I thought that was good. I, I I liked it because when they kept showing clips of her in the, the in the thing, I was like, there's too much in this movie. And I was worried about them trying to put too much. And then when I saw the the runtime on it is like 90 minutes even. I, it might even be shorter, actually. I think it might actually be like 87 minutes or something like that. Um, And... um. An hour, 47 minutes. It's exactly as long as the movie needed to be. They do not stick around a minute longer than it needs to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I, and I, and I, and I appreciate that about it. Um, This isn't trying to be a two hour epic or a three hour epic. And I think that if they had gone that route, it would have failed miserably. And I don't think I would have enjoyed my time with it. Um, uh, I've, I, the dialogue is witty. Uh, the characters, uh, Jill is a little weird, but Jill's character in the games is kind of weird. So I even like that. I even like I, I, I wonder if you got a clip of it. Hmm. Did you get the Jill sandwich clip? Of course I did. Good. Good. Uh, yeah. Let, let's listen to that. Hey, you snooze, you lose. What? It's Jill sandwich now. I thought she was, you know, punchy. She was perfect. Was great. Yeah. Great Jill. Um, and honestly, I think uh, this movie, what I think it tried to do, because it was including both Claire and Jill, which if you think from a 90s perspective, when the games came out... It, they were almost the same character. They were almost interchangeable in the games. Yeah, very similar. It's, same can be said for Leon and Chris, I think. And yeah. I think what they did with the remakes, Capcom did, and then now with this movie, is they've tried to... I think the remakes didn't do enough, but... Uh, this movie really did take these two characters like, well, they're both still badasses, but let's give them, let's, let's make them more unique, you know, make them their own people. And I think that worked really well. And they did the same thing for Chris and Albert and yeah. Also, I also love the dialogue in the beginning when Claire runs into Chris and she's like, I met this guy in a chat room and he's like eh, on a message board. And Chris is like, what's that? Are you, <laughs> and I was, <laughs> do you can you see my soundboard? <laughs> I don't have time for this. No, look, okay, so I've been talking to this guy in a chat room. What the fuck's a chat room? It's a place on the internet where people chat. <laughs> oh, man, I, I, want a, I want a sequel because Rob, it's Robbie Arnell, right? Robbie Amell, yeah. He's, Robbie uh, Amell. He's, uh, yeah, he's a cousin to um, the guy who was Arrow in Arrow. Yeah, and I think Upload Season 2 just launched on Amazon Prime. Yes, it I, did. I, I need to yeah. start watching it with, uh, with Ashley, but... Um, I want more of his Chris Redfield. And I mean, he, he has a quote where he's basically saying like, I want to adapt to Resident Evil 5 so I can punch a rock. And I mean, <laughs> I'm sure you can. I, yeah, that I, sounds great. I, I, I like him as an actor. And I also like him as a person when I've seen interviews with him. He seems like a really nice guy. And the thing I think I like about him is if you've never seen it on Netflix, there are two movies called The Babysitter and then babysitter killer b i think it is or something or killer queen or something like that and those movies are worth they're they're good movies for horror movies they're worth watching just for him Hmm. um 
he literally has a scene in the movie where he's hunting down this kid and trying to kill him and he's running around without a shirt on and like chasing this kid in in this backyard and the kid's like hiding in a treehouse and the kid's like 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 running from him and finally catches up with him and he's like kid kid stop being a sissy i'll tell you what there's a kid literally tp'ing the house that they're in front of and he's like you're letting this little punk disrespect you he's like you were just trying to kill me five minutes ago forget that you need to go out there and punch that kid <laughs> and this 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 dialogue and you're just like he pulls off this witty banter thing really well and so i mean he pulls off the boy scout thing i think he's a pretty good actor yeah no i think he's really good and i mean another thing to know that i don't think we've talked about yet is uh is I, I have to admit, like, the costumes and the stills, I, and I think I was pretty harsh on them and saying it kind of looked a little cosplay, like, in and in not and not in a good way. Like, it felt, um, it just didn't feel like... I blame, I blame that on the lighting in the photography, the, uh, the, the photos. Yeah, so that being said, like, I thought in the movie, all the costumes were perfect. Like they worked, they looked exactly like they needed to from the games, you know, they adapted them perfectly. Uh, so I have to admit I was completely wrong with those stills. Lou, I, I agree. Like I'm, I'm even willing to take half the blame on that as just, maybe I was being too harsh. Um, but they look fantastic. All the set pieces, the mansion, the inside and outside of the RPD building are perfect. Like they nail that all those details and i almost wonder if they're like they saw the remakes for two and we're like okay we have our set design you know it's just it's so perfect Uh, i was so blown away uh by that stuff and you know the moments the only thing the only moment that i feel like they missed now that i think about it because they got the classic moment of the first zombie reveal in the mansion and them splitting up in the foyer uh, what they're missing in the mansion, though, is the dog jumping through the window. Um, they opted for the dog in the parking garage, I think. Yes. The other thing, too, that I liked about the mansion is in the games, you spend way too much time in the mansion before you get into the lab. And it's this you got to run around. You got to find the keys. You got to do this. And then one of the things that you remember is there's a piano puzzle. Yeah. In in the game. And. Uh, they're wandering around the mansion and Wesker literally sits at this piano and he looks at something on his Palm Pilot. I think that's how he gets the direction. And he starts playing the piano and Jill looks at him and is like, what are you doing? And he's like, just leave me alone. And then he plays a couple of notes of Moonlight Sonata, which is exactly what you play in the game that, that plays in the game. And then a secret passage opens up and it's just like in the game, except Wesker did it, not Jill or Chris. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. And it's not because they solved the puzzle. It's because somebody sent Wesker a note telling him to do that. And yeah. you're like, that makes way more sense than the game. You're wandering around solving puzzles in a mansion. Yeah. I mean, I know that that's what Resident Evil is, but, you know, it doesn't translate well to film. No, it it works perfectly in a video game because you're solving puzzles, but in a movie, it was just a great nod to have a character do exactly what you do in a video game is basically ignore everything else, sit down at a piano and try to play a tune. The the other thing they nail too is in the original Resident Evil game, the only reason you never leave the mansion is there's a horde of dogs outside. You're like, yeah, well, Chris just picked up a rocket, a grenade launcher. <laughs> that that front door, he would kick the door open, shoot it out the door, blow up all the dogs, and then he'd run through the woods and get the hell out of there. You know what I mean? Like, it never makes sense that they don't escape. And in this movie, they explain why they don't escape. Uh, they start wandering around the mansion. Weird, crazy things happen. Zombies start showing up. And then a helicopter crashes through the front build- front of the building. So yeah. they can't escape through the front door. And they end up having to go down through the labs. I mean, it makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think pretty much every character becomes aware that Raccoon City is, is going to be dust um, yeah. uh, at 6 a.m. And... and uh, the movie plays into that with some some countdowns and timings and stuff. Um, I had one other question uh, in my notes here. It was basically like, so the Spencer Mansion were zombies, very clearly zombies, traditional yeah. RE zombies. 
there was something different going on in the city where they they almost felt like the humans losing their humanity like am i missing the transition of uh no i think what was i think what we were supposed to be led to believe is that the thing in the mansion was that like the virus got that those people got exposed earlier in the day and were just in the early stages and that the people in the city were slowly being poisoned and turned into zombies right and so some of them were mutating into other things. Yeah, like I got the sense that um the the, the so I understood like the tyrant that was the G virus, the liquor that was an experiment or whatever something uh, that they don't explain it, it's just a monster and I, and I and again I think they did a good job with the liquor like it it looked much better. So you don't even think about it. Yeah, no, it, it's just a monster and I mean as uh, like, if you weren't a Resident Evil fan, you'd be wondering, like, okay, where'd this monster come from? But but I think it, it still fits. Um, but, yeah, I just, I felt like the Spencer Mansion, maybe those were T-Virus zombies. And then there's a throwaway line of, like, uh, actually, it's not a throwaway. Claire's talking to the, the, the conspiracy theorist guy about how they're poisoning the water. Um, that scene's ripped right out of the remake as well. Yeah, it's like it's not that they poison. They didn't intentionally poison the wa- water. It feels sort of like the Flint, Michigan thing, where mm-hmm. like the company didn't realize they were poisoning the water, and now they did, and now they're just like, let's burn the town to the ground. Okay, yeah. let's cover up the. We don't need. The, we don't need the lawsuit. Let's kill everybody. Yeah, so I think um, I think that all like. It, it all uh like it all worked it all made sense like i think it would have been fine if just everybody like was zombies across the board instead of like having zombies in the mansion and having like a different you know type of infection it really felt like a different type of infection in raccoon city than there was in the mansion but you're right when you kind of like look at it a bit more it's like well one was clearly you know, uh, the T virus, you know, being ex- exposed to the T virus, you know, a concentrated dose. And then, as you said, slowly poisoning the citizens was, was the, uh, the trucker and, um, the, the dog and, and all, all that stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, before we wrap up, I've got, uh, I've got a few clips and I, and I know there's a moment, um, that, uh, we'll conclude the show with that, uh, that I have a clip for, but, uh, I've got a couple of Leon clips, and again, like just to just to talk about this a little bit. A lot of people had said um, I've heard quotes or, or quips of folks who've said they walked out of the theater when they saw that Leon was kind of like this bumbling rookie. And I I, I personally think like it may it works. It's fine. It, it is what it is. Like yes, Leon is this beloved character. He's up there with you know Chris and and Jill in terms of like the go to Resident Evil characters, but. I think in, in this film, they just decide to start him in his career, like as a true rookie, like very green, you know, barely can shoot. And that's fine. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they imply something, but they never clarify it that like he shot somebody in the Academy, but it was, it's implied more like it might've been done in malice. <laughs> like, like, like he might not be nearly as doofy as he acts. Yeah. He's just, and I mean, like we never get that experience in, in the game because he just, he shows up and everything's gone to shit already. He doesn't really have an opportunity right. to be a doofus because he's, he's got to just act. And, um, but anyways, I've got these two clips for, for Leon interacting and I mean, it, it does kind of sound like Leon doesn't really want to be here but he didn't want to be there in resident evil 2 either so here we go you're probably wondering what a guy like me is doing as a cop right i know yeah me too so there's like lines like that where you know he's he's poking fun at his situation like maybe there's more to the backstory there of like he didn't want to be a cop but he is one now reluctantly uh, i don't yeah. know but uh I've also got another one here uh, with Leon, which which is basically Jill calling him on his shit. Get your shit together. You're not gonna make it through the night. Oh, sorry, that's Claire. That was that was Claire because that was the the scene right after the the. Is, uh, is, that's the scene cell. where she passes it. She passes him the bulletproof vest, doesn't she? 
when she says that there is there is a moment i think where i think she doesn't say anything when she does it and it's kind of meant he does he's he's looking at a shotgun like he doesn't know what it is you know and and she passes him the bulletproof vest this i think this specific line that i just played was from uh after he has the encounter with the monster in the jail cell um yeah. and i mean to his credit like he is experiencing bloodthirsty monsters for the first time like everybody else he's just he's processing it a little slower than then, uh, yeah. then, well, Claire actually has had a lot of opportunity to prepare for this because she's been, you know, dealing with, um, chat rooms, chat rooms, <laughs> you know, those <laughs> chat rooms. Um, but here's the thing. Leon gets this bit of redemption at the very end. He saves the day. He shows up with the rocket launcher. He saves the day. And of course I had to capture this. A rocket launcher. Found it in first class. Amazing. <laughs> Just a, a great way to end the film. Um, I I gotta say, I was completely wrong. I We watch a lot of bad films for Zamp, and you know they often get a pass because they are zombie films, and I think the same can apply here for Resident Evil. Like, this is not a cheesy early 2000s action film. This is a zombie Resident Evil movie based on the games, which is what I, I I always wanted, you know? And I think when you look at the Paul W.S. Anderson films, they were always interesting because they'd, they'd peel back layers and be like, oh, well, this one's going to have Jill and this one's going to have Claire. But they never really did anything with those characters. They were almost just like stumbling into this action film. They were only there so they could put the name Resident Evil on the movie. That's the way it always felt to me. Um and those movies are really inconsistent. Uh, uh, the first movie feels kind of like a Resident Evil movie. Like, it feels very Resident Evil. And then the second movie feels almost like an action movie full of... Like, like if you watch that the second movie, like, a- in detail, you can see zippers on costumes. There's skeletons coming out of graves that doesn't make any sense. Like, there's all kinds of stuff in that second movie that you're just like, why is this here? And I, I it also has Nemesis for some reason. And she gets into a fit. Uh, Alice gets into a fist fight with Nemesis. And you're like, this is really stupid. Um, And then the third movie is like a Mad Max ripoff. And then the fourth movie is like, like, like. I can appreciate them for what they are. They're really not my cup of tea. I mean, if there was one running on the on a TV in the background, I mean, I might pay attention, but I don't love those movies. Um, I just I just didn't care about them. Mm-hmm. If that makes makes sense. And this, it nailed enough about what I like about Resident Evil and enough about the games that I go, man, I really would like to see an adaptation of. Uh, a code Veronica and Resident Evil Four or Resident Evil Five. I mean, would they be perfect films? No, but I think you could do something interesting with them. Yeah, yeah. I think Four would make a really great movie. I'd love to see uh, more Claire and Code Veronica. Um, I would love to see them revisit some of the characters that got left on the cutting room floor by from even one and two, uh, or even by cutting out three. Like I think there's. There's probably some interesting stuff you could push forward from three into Code Veronica and and four to to basically you know pay homage to those characters. But I, I read somewhere on some review that some reviewer was mad because there was no Barry. Yeah, that's it. I think that was and I and I and I was like, yeah, but Barry's not really that much of a thing. Yeah, wasn't Barry, uh, there's something to do with Barry, where wasn't Barry, like, being blackmailed by Wesker in the game or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that wouldn't have worked, because they basically reset Wesker to just be some dude who wants to leave Raccoon City and was taking money. Like, he wasn't, he wasn't the Wesker we knew, he wasn't the evil mustache twirling guy yet, but he will be in the next film, if, if I'm willing it into existence. I want to see a sequel, um, I think if you made this one for 20. Well, that was that. But while we were talking, I was looking up because I was curious if this only had a budget of $20 million. 
I wanted to see what all of the other Paul W.S. Anderson movies got. And all of them had double or triple the 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 budget of this. So this if this is what they could pull off with twenty million dollars, I'm kind of impressed. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job. I I gotta say, I I think the marketing was terrible. I think whoever did their marketing needs to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, we want to talk about video game movie marketing. I I I need you all to look up the new, the latest or the like the final Sonic 2 poster. It is literally like a carbon copy of the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 Genesis cart uh, art and it's amazing. Like again, like if you're leaning in so hard to the video games, it's kind of weird that they didn't capitalize that in the marketing. They really tried to emulate the Paul W.S. Anderson action films with their trailers. And it was just, it was never good. Like that first impression was lost on that first trailer. And I know there was like a secondary trailer that was better, Better, but but like it was, it was almost probably too little too late. And I don't know. I just, I, I really, I really like the film. I, I hope it does well enough that we get some follow up. I hope the Netflix Resident Evil series is good. I think it's fine that we got multiples. I've been poo-pooing about the Resident Evil TV series on Netflix. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I go, that's fine. It's going to be very different from the movies or the games. And I'm okay with that as long as they tell me a good story. Exactly. So and a lot of the casting in it I like. So I'll, I'll be optimistic till I see a tra- until I see a trailer. Yeah. Agreed. Well, uh, folks, that uh, you never thought it would happen, uh, but it did. We both really enjoyed Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, and I, I will say it, I was wrong, and uh, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, but that being said, coming up on Zamp, uh, we should probably get back to The Walking Dead, Lou. <laughs> I mean, as much as we've been uh, putting it off, uh, we've got Season 11 came back. If you didn't know, I don't, I, I don't know how you'd know. The internet's certainly not talking about it. Really, it isn't. Like, uh, like it, you joke, but I haven't seen any news except for that uh, that Maggie Negan show. I haven't heard any talk about this current season. So, I I, I think it might be time for that show to die. Well, they're working on it. <laughs> they just got to get through uh, ten more episodes. Um, also fear the walking dead. I think we did chat about, uh, wrapping up the first part of the season and, and talking about that with the premiere. So we'll likely do that in either April or May, whenever that, I don't think we have a date for that quite yet. Um, we will continue our extra life donation zombie movies. We have the dead Two, go home and night of the living dead still on our list. So look forward to those. And uh, we we did pass over this news story, but I mean, I I feel like we should mention it. Um, the uh, the since we mentioned it quite a bit, the Resident Evil series on Netflix is going to be premiering in July, so we'll likely cover that as well uh, later on. I know it's only March, but before you know it, it will be July. Uh, but that's what we've got coming up on Zamp. And if you want to stay uh, stay in the conversation, you can join our Discord, bit.ly slash Zamp Discord. Some fun conversation. I even had like a bit of a live reaction as I was watching the Resident Evil movie because I was so flabbergasted that I was enjoying it, <laughs> you know, while still like being able to point at some of the flaws that I think people had, uh, had pointed out as well. But uh, yeah, we have a great time chatting in there. Uh, I want to thank our patrons, patreon.com slash zombies ate my podcast. Every dollar that goes into there goes back into the show for hosting, for renting movies, for you know paying for website stuff. So we do really appreciate all the support there. Thank you so much. Uh, speaking of the website, zombies ate my podcast.com. You can send us an email info at zombies ate my podcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook and while you're on Twitter, you can find me at R. Murphy and Lou at Busy Zombie Lord. And a quick shout out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. You can find more of his great work at joelduggan.com. Lou, before we head out, I always like to ask uh, besides, you know, uh, looking at Steam Deck reservation dates, um, uh, what would you suggest our fine listeners do before the next episode? Do not shoot 
rocket launchers inside of moving trains. <laughs> you know, it needs to be mentioned that I I think Chris Redfield was way too close to that explosion. <laughs> he should, he should yeah, have been he was. really messed up by that. But he should have been a hamburger meat, but that's okay. <laughs> it, it, 90s movie. It's all good. It can, I can hand wave it away. The monster's completely decimated, and so is the train, but Chris Redfield's completely fine. I think he was like literally right next to the monster. Wasn't Claire right next to the monster as well? Yep. Yeah. So. 